Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna... What's up, everybody? Wednesday night. It feels a little bit weird when you're going every day during training camp to take, what is it, four days off? It just, it feels a little strange, and it feels like we've missed you here on the Shout Buffalo Football Podcast, brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store with more barbecues, tailgating, on a road trip to see your favorite team. Wherever the football season finds you, make sure to stop at Tops for the best deals in town. From fresh meat to locally grown produce, Tops has everything you need and so much more for mealtime, snack time, or anytime. Tops at your table since 1962. There he is in Arizona. What's up, Ryan Talbot? Hey, speaking of road trips, that's right, Matt. In Arizona, visiting some family. Uh, not high 90s, the pool's 95. Life is good. Yeah, I'm a little bit jealous. Uh, although out of practice today, it was uh, it was pretty steamy. I'm not going to lie to you. It felt uh, uh, I wore jeans out. You know, you get to that point in the year where you're kind of like, all right, am I going to make the transition to out of short season and go with the jeans and and the pants? And I, and I did. Uh, and I paid for it. It was warm out there. <laughs> I was I was sweating profusely. Uh, and we'll have a whole bunch of uh, updates on that. But, you know, Ryan's on vacation. He's still gracious enough to do the show and bring you guys Buffalo Bills conversation and analysis over the next couple of weeks. The Bills play the Broncos on Saturday. Another home game. Uh, we'll preview that a little bit later on. But where I want to start, Ryan, is with uh, some news outside of Buffalo that could have maybe a bit of an impact. Uh, Derwin James, uh, the all-pro safety in Los Angeles with the with the Chargers signs a mega extension puts it it's around 80 million dollars guarantee is upwards of 40 million uh near there and it's going to bring him now average annual salary to about 19 million per season and the reason I bring that up on the show it's 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 a bit of NFL news right well it impacts potentially you know the conversations going on between the Buffalo Bills and Jordan Poyer, who is in, who reported for camp, has been uh, participated up until he suffered an elbow injury. Uh, he seems to be working through that. We don't have a, a clear timetable on when he'll be back, but it does seem like there's a bit of a stalemate, Ryan Talbot, with those conversations. I want to get into how this impacts things, but be- before we do this, I, I went over to SpotTrack.com and I looked at now the the uh, average safety salary rankings. Derwin James at 19.1 is now uh, per season is now number one uh, in front of Minka Fitzpatrick at 18.4 Jamal Adams at 17.6 to find Jordan Poyer, Ryan Talbot, you got to dial it all the way down to number 15. He's coming in at 9.75 million. And I can't imagine anybody in his camp is thrilled about that number. 
No. And to Jordan Poyer and his camp, they have a case to say, listen, he's coming off of an all pro season. He's 15th in terms of salary. He, he deserves some kind of pay raise. It's also important to note, though, that with Derwin James, you're talking about someone that is 26 years old, uh, entering the prime of his career, someone that is already considered by many analysts to be one of, if not the uh, best safeties in the game. So it, it is a little bit of apples to oranges when you compare their their ages, um, the, the fact that James still hasn't played his best football yet, and he's already at it playing at a very high level. And then you have Poyer, who's looking for one more payday, one more contract before you know reaching the end of his career. So it, you can see it from both sides, but at the end of the day, you still need to get Jordan Poyer up from 15 into that, I would say top eight range um, somewhere around there, just to show that respect to someone who's played a huge role in this defense since joining the bills in 2017 uh, and someone that's coming off of arguably his best season yet. You know, 9.75 million this season, getting him up into that eight range is going to put him at about 15 million uh, per season. Uh, And I think the way that this ultimately probably gets figured out is, you know, Jordan Poirier wants to one more big bite of the apple, right? Like he's he's nearing the end of his career or the back the back nine of his career at the very least. And I think you know he he welcomes free agency. I I would if I was in his situation. And so that being the case, how can the Bills and Jordan Poirier come to you know a resolution for just this season, a season where obviously Jordan Poirier is invested. He showed up. Uh, the contract. Uh, hasn't really deterred him from participating in all of, you know, the mandatory stuff that's been asked of him. So you probably get, you know, you figure out a way to get that money up this year that allows him to hit free agency next year. You know, uh, if you're in his camp, hopefully off of another, you know, all pro or close to season. But it's it's a, it's tricky, though, because I think the guaranteed money is where the biggest hiccup is. You're seeing some of these guys, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick, who recently signed his deal. That w- that came in at thirty six million guaranteed, and I think Jordan going into the season, coming off of the year that he just had, he's trying to get up close to that number, even if it's in that you know mid to high twenty range of guaranteed money. And I think that the fear, if you're in his camp, is if he doesn't replicate what he did a year ago, and now a year older in the off season in twenty twenty three, I don't know if that kind of com- that kind of guaranteed offer will be there for him. I think that would probably be the fear if I was Poyer and maybe why if that has been a conversation point about maybe a one-year deal getting his his money up for the season, if why maybe that hasn't happened yet. That That is the solution in my opinion because he deserves to be able to test the market next year, try to get that one final payday. Uh, I saw someone in the comments say the Bills don't value Poyer. I disagree with that. I think they value him quite a bit. But there's also that part of the NFL game where you can't pay everyone. And you have some young players that are going to be looking for contracts. Dawson Knox, uh, someone that if he has a, a, you know, another season comparable to last year, uh, I, would, I would like to see more receptions, more yards, and then probably, probably won't see as many touchdowns. But see that next step in his game. Ed Oliver, obviously, would probably be number one on my list in terms of players that need to get that long-term uh, extension. So there's young guys. You have to evaluate the youth versus the uh, older veterans, The how you're going to spend your money. 
And traditionally, safety is one of those positions where you don't go out and you spend big money on it just because there, there's other things that uh, other positions that you need to kind of value a little bit more. So it's a really tricky situation for the Bills. Uh, it's a really tricky situation for Jordan Poyer, who has said that he wants to win a Super Bowl. He knows that the chances of doing that here in Buffalo are significantly higher than maybe some place where he could get that payday that he deserves. Uh, but he'd probably go to a team that is not necessarily the Super Bowl favorites or challenging for a Super Bowl in 2022, 2023, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Somebody in the comments uh, said, hasn't the haven't the Bills re-upped Poyer twice? And that actually isn't the case. He signed a four-year, $13 million contract in 2017. And then a few years into that, they they kind of moved some money around and added, added dollars to the final two years of his deal. And I think they might've added one year to it. Uh, I don't have the details right in front of me, but it's only been uh, one time where the bills kind of re up Poyer. And now he's kind of looking at, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how this pays out, plays out because I, I don't see a scenario where Poyer, you know, and, and it's really hard to do this in the NFL now. And in, in terms of taking your ball and going home, you can't really do that with the way the CBA is, you know, outlined all of this. He's going to probably have to stay there, uh, and now he's playing. So I, I don't I don't even foresee something where he, he's not going to he's going to hold in or any scenario like that. Um, but the further this goes along where there's not some type of resolution, there's got to be frustration on Poyer's end. But if you're the Bills, you're probably looking at the history now with this player and saying, OK, there's been times where he's been unhappy in the past for a variety of different reasons. Obviously, the whole, you know, COVID situation last year, you know, there was probably some unrest there. He's never been a distraction. He's never made it about him. I don't anticipate that starting. No, I, I agree with that. It's not going, I don't think it's going to be something that's going to come to the forefront, uh, be something that's going to take over the news cycle in, in Western New York and Buffalo. Uh, but I think frustration is a, a fair way of putting it. There's going to be frustration from Poyer, from his agent, Drew Rosenhaus uh, and, and company if something doesn't get done here. But it, like I said, it's a tricky game. The Bills drafted two young safeties that they've been developing, kind of waiting in the wings. Um, so that's another thing kind of working in, in their side saying, well, if we don't pay him, yeah, is there going to be a drop off from what he's provided? Very possible, especially based on how well he's played. But we've went out and we drafted Jaquan Johnson. We went out and we drafted DeMar Hamlin and we like where their games are going. We think that if they're with uh, Micah Hyde, if they're back there with this uh, cornerback, you know, trio of Trey White when he's healthy, Taron Johnson, then whoever starts opposite of, of Trey White, uh, that, that they would be fine in that defense. And, and to their credit, you know, Leslie Frazier's defense has been very strong on the back end uh, over the course of his time here in Buffalo. And, you know, Jaquan Johnson uh, had the third highest overall grade, according to pro football focus uh, against the Colts. And of course, it's a preseason game. But I I think that there's something to to talk about there because, you know, Johnson and and a lot of these backups for the Bills on the on the defensive side were going up against the first team for the Indianapolis Colts, obviously with uh, Matt Ryan, who, you know, has gone to a Super Bowl and they're expecting big things for him there. It, it was a really good day for Jaquan Johnson. It was a good day for some of the cornerbacks. We'll talk about uh, them in a little while. But I think that the the kind of simmering confidence level in those depth players at safety enter into the conversations as you're kind of talking through all of this with Poyer. 
Yeah, it's it's a factor, Matt. And when when you look at this roster, you have to factor everything in the young players that you have, where the other money is being allocated, uh, where you want to allocate some money going forward as well with some of these players who have their uh, roster or their rosters, their contracts coming to an end. Real quick before we move on, man, David Njoku, that contract is just Silly. You mentioned uh, Dawson Knox uh, a minute ago about the Bills kind of, you know, getting that done with him, that extension at some point. I'm, I'm interested to hear where you see that going, because you look at the average tight end salaries right now. You got George Kittle at the top at 15 million. Travis Kel- Kelsey at 14.3, 14.25 for Dallas Goddard, Mark Andrews at 14 and then in Joku at 13.6. Leave it to the Browns to completely screw up the tight end market, because honestly, if I was looking at a deal for Dawson Knox, if, and if you take the Matt Milano, you know, contract as maybe a loose guide to what they could potentially do with Dawson Knox, I think it probably comes in just under maybe that Hunter Henry, Johnu Smith line of 12.5 million per season. If you could get it to be at around 10 million over three or four years, that's probably where you want it to be. What's the likelihood in your mind that Dawson Knox would be cool with that. And maybe that the bills could get that done. I don't know if anything Knox has done to this point, especially with some of the availability issues, has put him in a tier where I know he had nine touchdown uh, catches last year. And that's something that's important. But I don't know if he's necessarily in that 10 plus million category yet, or at least not now heading into the season. That could probably change uh, once he starts producing in the regular season. Yeah, first and foremost, the Browns seem to be screwing up every market, tight end market, quarterback market with the guarantees <laughs> they give to Sean Watson. I, you know, I guess don't look at their contracts as an example if you're trying to negotiate. To your question, I think that Dawson Knox might actually be okay with the scenario that you laid out. He wants to be in Buffalo. He's bought a house in Buffalo. He has a close relationship with Josh Allen. He has said that he wants to continue to play with Josh Allen. I think he knows that. Uh, he can be a focal point in this offense, you know, in 2022 and beyond, just because of the knowledge of the system, uh, the athleticism that he brings, how much the talent around him makes life easier for him. He has Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, uh, Isaiah McKenzie, I think an improved running game this year. So when you have all that talent around you, it allows you to really um, take your game to another level because it's, it's hard to, uh, double team the tight end when you have so much talent at wide receiver and you have to focus on the backs now catching the ball out of the backfield. So I, I think he knows that things are good here. He's definitely in line to see an increase in his salary. But I also don't think that you're going to see the Bills kind of offering him anything, any kind of funny money, any kind of Njoku type deal, just because you're right. The, the touchdown catches are nice, but there's a lot more to being a great tight end in this league. And, and he needs to kind of take it up a, a notch in terms of the receptions, in terms of the yardage, uh, something that we haven't seen from him quite yet to date. Let's get to practice today. Real quick update. I'm not doing daily observations anymore, but I can bring you, you know, some of my, uh, you know, thoughts from practice today. I thought I thought it was a rough day for the offense at times. I, I thought that Josh Allen looked a little bit out of sync. It started early in practice with a couple uh, bobbled snaps, and then over the course of the uh, the practice, there were a couple guys with interceptions. Jaquan Johnson had one. Christian Benford had one. Um, the defense was just really dialed up. And as the as the practice went along, it kind of shifted a little bit, and the offense started getting really competitive. And then Josh Allen started, you know, feeding Stephon Diggs. And at one point, Diggs got a little uh, uh, caught a pass, and he. Uh, was running downfield and Isaiah McKenzie went to block for him and he gave a shot to Tremaine Edmonds. And if you just want to talk about the visuals of that, Ryan, 
Isaiah McKenzie, and at first everybody kind of looking around like, is this the joke? Like, is Isaiah McKenzie just kind of messing around? But he really was like, he was yelling in Tremaine Edmonds' face. Finally, Tremaine Edmonds, like, I think woke up, was like, oh, this, this little dude is really doing this. So he came back at him. They were exchanging of words. Stefan Diggs came over, or no, Gabriel Davis came over and almost tried to like throw a couple. Uh, I, I say throw a couple. It didn't seem like he really wanted a piece of Tremaine Edmonds, but it, it was what it was. Cooler heads prevail. They broke that up. Next play, Diggs gets a uh, one-on-one with Taron Johnson, scores a touchdown on the play, and he was animated after the play. He was really uh, getting into it. Sean McDermott had to get, come over, kind of clear things out. But it was um, it was a really, like, uh, it started, like, yesterday was really, like, there was a malaise, right? Like, a couple days into the practice week, I, it didn't seem like the energy was super through the roof. It was a little bit slower paced. Today was the complete opposite. Guys on both sides of the ball were competing, which I think is something that you want to see uh, at this point. Yeah, iron sharpens iron. We've said that before. Uh, I, I think the offensive players on this team, the offensive stars on this team, know that the defense is legit. And and uh, there's going to be days where they win. There's going to be days where they go back and forth. Like you said, Josh Allen starting out a little bit slow uh, today. So I, I like the competitive fire from both units. Uh, hopefully that carries over into Saturday with uh, some jobs still on the line, some players maybe getting their first uh, taste of the preseason this year. It's something I'm looking forward to watching here uh, and seeing how this team comes along as the preseason goes on. But not, you know, nothing wrong with the feistiness that we've seen throughout training camp uh, that we, we're now seeing kind of carry over here into the preseason. Something, uh, a couple updates. Von Miller missed a couple days for personal reasons. He returned to the practice field today, uh, which was a good sign. Uh, Daquan Jones missed a couple days. He's been back now uh, for two straight. Some injury news, though, and one in particular that I really wanted to um, dive into a little bit. But Tim Settle is dealing with a calf injury. He didn't practice today. Kings Kingsley Jonathan, who had a really good uh, game against the Colts, he's dealing with an ankle injury. He did not practice today. Micah Hyde is out uh, with general soreness. Uh, the Bills say that he could return tomorrow. And then Spencer Brown didn't practice today. Uh, he potentially could return tomorrow too, the Bills, the Bills said. But I want to get into this a little bit because where's your level of concern with how stop and start it's been for Spencer Brown this entire offseason leading into the season? It's I think we're at the point now, like we were talking to David Questenberry today, and it's like, you got to pretty much write him in as the right tackle to start the season. I don't know if Spencer Brown can do enough over the course of the next few weeks to make you confident in, in him enough from a physical standpoint to insert him as your starting right tackle. So with that said, how much could this be maybe something that impacts the development of Spencer Brown if he's really not able to get back to a level where, you know, you probably at the very least want to see him in some type of rotational role and start the year? Yeah, my concern level has gotten higher and higher each week that we haven't seen him out there consistently, that he hasn't been getting those reps that he needs after his rookie season. Uh, anytime that a second-year player, a large second-year player, he's not a typical uh, he doesn't have the typical size of a general offensive lineman either when you put into that equation and having a bat procedure in the offseason at, at that age. Uh, it, it's a little bit of a red flag. It's a little bit of a concern. And we haven't seen him consistently practice at training camp. He's out again today. And like you said, he could come back tomorrow. But are the reps going to be there between now and week one where the Bills say, man, we, we feel comfortable with this guy being out there, uh, being one of the five guys to protect Josh Allen, to open up those run lanes? 
I like the skill set. I, I liked his play at times last year. I think uh, it was definitely up and down, which you would expect from a rookie right tackle. But if he doesn't get those reps, you, like you said, pencil in David Questenberry. Uh, if Brown can show to stay healthy, you rotate him in and then may the best man then kind of take over the majority of those snaps in terms of the starting role at right tackle. This is a huge year for the Bills. You can't go into week one uh, playing a, a young player at right tackle if he hasn't had the necessary reps to show that he's ready to take on such an important role early on with quite a tough schedule too, Matt, out of the gate. I watched back the game, um, the first half. I haven't gotten to the second half yet. And two big takeaways I had on the offensive line were being more impressed than I was live with Tommy Doyle and being very concerned about Bobby Hart inside. You know, we talked about his maybe development there and maybe them liking him on the inside. I really think it's a very, for those that are very concerned about him making the 53. Now there's still a chance because of all the injuries, Tommy Doyle uh, injured, suffered a foot injury. He was in a boot today. So if he's out for an extended period of time, which it kind of looks like you're looking at really slim pickings for depth. I mean, you might be in a situation where if one of your starting tackles gets injured, and you don't like what you're seeing from Bobby Hart, they could be relying on Luke Tenuta, rookie six-round pick uh, in a Super Bowl window here, in a Super Bowl season. That is pretty scary stuff. Uh, somebody mentions it in, in the comment section. If these injuries continue to be a problem, Spencer Brown misses several several days, several weeks, Daryl Williams back in the mix, versatility at guard and tackle, it wouldn't surprise me if they go down that route. And it's surprising that we haven't heard that name more, not just from Buffalo, but in general. I know there's a different Daryl Williams that was signed to the Patriots, cut, signed somewhere else. Uh, that's a center, uh, just to kind of, uh, there's a lot of confusion about that from Bills fans. The Daryl Williams that played with the Bills the past few seasons, uh, it really hasn't been linked to any teams. There hasn't been any kind of word about him, but he's familiar with this offense. He's someone that you do want to call. And Offensive line is that one area where every team's looking to upgrade their offensive line, their offensive line depth uh, at cut down time. So it's not like the Bills are just going to be able to pick someone off uh, up off the street at roster cutdowns that they think could step in week one because uh, players like that are generally making their 53-man roster. And there's going to be teams that can put in waiver claims for a lot of these players uh, that the Bills won't even have an opportunity to claim if they do like them. So it's definitely a concern. It's something that they need to kind of keep an eye on. You can make the same case for the tackle spot in terms of, man, if they have concerns about Spencer Brown and then the depth behind uh, Questenberry, you know, maybe you have to go out and see who's out there. And he's older. He's 40. Jason Peters, though, said that uh, he wants to play another year. He wants to play with a team that's contending for Super Bowl. He doesn't have to be in a starting role. Um, so, you know, there, there's options to be had, but these are not great options at all. You know, it's a great option, Ryan Tell, but every single time heading over to Tops Friendly Markets, the sizzle of the grill popping open a refreshing drink, crowds cheering for their favorite team. These are the beautiful sounds of football season and Tops is right there with you from fresh meat to locally grown produce. Tops has everything you need and so much more. And speaking of having everything you need, how about uh, value home centers? Uh, going on right now, it's your last chance to stock up on summer outdoor essentials. Get them at a discounted rate right now. You'll have them for next year and you won't, you'll cut out all the shopping, uh, you know, late in the spring. Shop outdoor furniture, fire pits, tables, grills, garden tools, and outdoor decor. And then uh, 
going on right now through September 3rd. It's the end of the season clearance on uh, Valspar Integrity Exterior Paint and Valspar True Basics Exterior Self Priming Paint. Get yourself $7 and $5 off right now. Ryan Talbot, you know where we're going next, buddy. I want to get into this five Bills players that other teams are clamoring for the Bills to cut. And the idea came from an appearance on Danger and Bataglia this week over on the fan. Uh, Gene posed the question. I thought it was really good. And you know me. I don't, I don't like to give Gene Bataglia too much credit anytime. <laughs> um, if he's watching or listening, I'm just kidding. You know, it's a shtick that I have given Gene a hard time. I got to tell you. He's one of my favorite people uh, in the media. I love doing their show every week. He's such a good sport about it. We have a fun back and forth. And I thought this was a really good question. I should have actually brought him on the show. Uh, but, you know, we got to keep the stick going. So I couldn't. Let's start off with your number one player that GMs around the league collectively are watching Bill's games like, man, I really hope the Bills caught this guy. Oh, boy, that's number one for me, I guess, would be Cam Lewis. I think Cam Lewis has put in enough time uh, in the NFL. There's enough tape on him where there's going to be teams that are looking for cornerbacks and saying every time he's been on the field for the Bills, he's flashed. He's done a nice job in the preseason. He's really been developed uh, by this coaching staff. And another reason I have him at number one, Matt, is just kind of a look around the league. Elijah Griffin gets waived or released by the Bills earlier this week, and the Giants pick him up. Uh, they claim him, someone that was very familiar to Joe Shane and, and Brian Dable. And, you know, Cam Lewis is in that same mold, that same boat, but he's going to be ready to play reps like start out of the gate for certain teams teams that are still building up their roster like the giants uh so when you put out a a cornerback that i feel like has the ability to start in this league uh you know in in terms of a slot cornerback type of role i think he's going to be on a lot of teams radars what about you i love the cam lewis pick and i i went back and watched like i mentioned the game one of the things that stood out to me was saran neal and taiwan jones both getting the day off Number one gunner with them on the bench was Cam Lewis. And this is a guy for me, the way that he plays the game, the scrappiness to his game, they could put him at slot corner. They can put him on the outside. They could put him on coverage teams. And if he can maybe develop, if they're working on him as maybe the, the next in line to become one of these gunners for the Bills, that all of a sudden potentially makes Taiwan Jones expendable when you get to the end of this thing. Now, we, it's hard to put ourselves in the room and what they really think when it comes to his age and whether or not they're ready to move on. But I'll tell you, I, I'm playing around with the idea of putting Lewis on there, them going heavy at cornerback, keeping Trey White, Kyer Elam, Dane Jackson, Christian Benford, Saran Neal, and Cam Lewis. I think that that's an interesting development, a development and one where I think they can get away with keeping six corners if they go maybe one less at running back. You know, they, they have their three there in Cook, uh, Singletarian Moss. Yeah, and I love that idea. Taiwan Jones is phenomenal on special teams. There's no denying that, but you consider the age. You consider that he's not going to really contribute on offense. Uh, and then you say, okay, what's the alternative? And, and in this case, Lewis is someone that could take over that role on special teams. And he's one injury away, Matt, from starting on defense in, in this case. So uh, someone that I think is worthwhile to swap out on a 53-man roster uh, as we get closer and closer to those, uh, you know, the, the real deal where the Bills have to make those final decisions. Um, all right, I'm going to go to my next, uh, uh, my pick for, uh, well, we'll just make a list here. We're going to make our five here, and we're going to go one by one. 
I'm going to go with uh, Isaiah Hodgins. I think that Hodgins has now become the guy that if you're a team watching this offense, you are thinking about the potential of him in your wide receiving core. And it, it, it comes with the, the flexibility, the way that he's winning, all the things that he's kind of flashing. You go back and watch the highlight um, that he had in the red zone there. The, the footwork, the release, the shiftiness, the, the way that he moves for a big man, you're starting to see that. He's healthy. Uh, and again, everybody, I'm seeing some comments in here. These aren't people that we think are going to get cut. These are people that if, we're other, if you're other NFL GMs, you're kind of looking at Bill's games, hoping that these guys that have kind of been on the roster bubble get cut. Uh, I think Ryan and I are both at the point where we think Hodgins makes this roster. We'll see how it progresses over the next couple of weeks. But I just think that he has the kind of tool set that it get people excited because of all the different things he could do. He can line up on the inside. He can line up on the outside. Hodgins for me, number two. Yeah, I, I love that pick. I think, you know, if the Bills don't keep both Hodgins or Kumaro, whichever one gets released, I think there's going to be a lot of teams clamoring for that, those types of players. And again, it goes back to the Bills' perspective in terms of what they want to do for this 53-man roster. Isaiah Hodgins brings more in terms of upside at wide receiver. There's no denying that. But when you already have Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, uh, Isaiah McKenzie, Khalil Shakir, um, and the list goes on, how many reps is he really going to play this year? So that would be maybe the counterpoint to releasing him for Kumaro, who's going to be playing 60-some percent of your special team snaps. On the alternative, if the Bills keep Hodgins, there's going to be a lot of teams looking for Kumaro to contribute as wide receiver depth, but also bring what he brought to the Bills in terms of that special teams play. Uh, so whichever wide receiver, if one of them loses out, will definitely be someone that I think will be clamored for. I like this idea, Nicholas. Somebody's going to get, I think Brandon Bean is going to flip somebody. You know, and, and there's a couple guys that I want to get to over the course of this list, but if we don't, I'll mention them at the end. But Kumaro to me is a guy that it's it would be perfect timing, wouldn't it? I mean, obviously Aaron Rodgers talking about how you know, you know went on a little bit of a rant about the wide receivers, uh, you know, that they have over there after being very uh, uh, complimentary of Dobbs there early in uh, training camp. He kind of went on a tangent. I didn't see all the details, but it, it required an 8:45 a.m quarterback coaches wide receivers meeting in green bay and obviously we know the affinity that rogers has for jake crumero if you can get a late day three pick back from green bay and you're going to cut the guy anyway i think you can find somebody to play the special teams portion of the thing i still think sometimes that gets overvalued and with the i don't want to say uncertainty because i think it's very certain what you're going to get out of digs and what you're going to get about gabriel davis but i'm just talking about future potential of, of Hodgins. I think you don't want to risk losing that and, and make it and, and freeing him up, especially if he continues to make plays. Yeah, I agree completely. And Kumaro for like his seventh to green base specifically would make a lot of sense from both sides. It was just a few years ago that uh, Aaron Rodgers was on a talk show talking about Kumaro as his wide receiver number four. And then the next day he gets uh, released by the team <laughs> really upsets Rodgers. The bills have him for the majority of that time. Obviously they released him at one point. He went to the saints. Um, so he, he did bounce around elsewhere, but I could see a, a, a team like green Bay coveting him, trying to make Aaron Rodgers happy. Um, and, and there's other players too. Uh, and, you know, another name that I'll bring up to the list right now is, is Cody Ford. I think he is someone that, um, if he's not traded, there's going to be a lot of GMs wanting to bring him in. And it's for a few reasons, Matt. One, I already mentioned it. Every team is looking to upgrade their offensive line this time of year. 
Uh, and, and that doesn't mean starting offensive line. It means depth as well. And I think that there's going to be a few GMs out there that say, man, you know, when, when Cody Ford was coming out just a few years ago, we had a high grade on him. He was someone that maybe they brought in for a top 30 visit, someone that they met with, um, you know, privately during the, the draft process, someone that they think that they can salvage. There's always GMs that think that they can salvage players, uh, get them to their true potential, get them to what they thought they could be. And that's not saying that another team can't get the best out of Cody Ford if the Bills do move on from him uh, th- this offseason. But at this point in time, I don't know if Cody Ford can be salvaged or if it's just simply a case of him being a better college player than a pro player, which we see that all the time in, you know, between the, the uh, college game and the pro game. Yeah, to me, Ford is never going to hit the streets as a as a free agent. I mean, a former second round pick, I think you can flip him, and if, if you're if you're ready to move on, you could trade him. Trade him. What can you realistically get for Cody Ford? I wouldn't be surprised they get a fifth rounder for him, Ryan. I think he's somebody that with offensive line, you got a seventh round pick for Russell Boating, like you mentioned. I mean, I, I think that this is something that. You go out and you talk to other GMs that, like you said, are high on the kid and you say, listen, we we think that there's potential in there. I still think the Bills think that there's potential in there, but whatever it ends up being, whether it be a numbers thing, whether it be like you, you feel more comfortable with other guys going into the season, whatever that, you know, tends to be for the Cody Ford argument, if you're willing to move on, which I don't, I still am not at the place that I think the bills are going to move on. I think if they try to flip someone, it's like Greg Van Roten or Greg Mance, one of those kind of guys, because interestingly enough, Ryan, you're not going to see him a lot there during the preseason because he's probably going to be their starting right guard. But I think really in essence, the backup center becomes Ryan Bates. When you get into the season, I think they probably probably get to a point where they feel more comfortable with Bates at center. If Morse were to go out and then, moving somebody in like Cody Ford, a Tommy Doyle, if he's healthy, or even Bobby Hart ahead of a guy like Greg Mance. We haven't seen a ton of him. He's been dealing with an elbow injury, but I don't know where the the confidence meter is at on Mance, a guy that's done a lot of different things in this, this league, uh, played a lot of spots, but he's really just been fine over the years. I don't know how much you're you're getting with him. Yeah, and that's a fair argument. And we've talked about this the last few weeks. There's always, you know, how a coaching staff, how a front office views a player uh, can be a lot different than how we interpret it. And we've used some examples of players that have made the roster over the the past few seasons uh, that maybe have caught us off guard or someone that we didn't have on our final 53-man roster projection. So uh, Mance, you mentioned it, dealing with an elbow injury, but he might be higher up on on Buffalo's pecking order in terms of their depth or he could be someone that they could move on from and keep a guy like Cody Ford around uh, knowing that they're one injury away from having to maybe move Ryan Bates over to center and then try to figure out how to shuffle the rest of that line. Um, We got a super chat here. So before we uh, finish up uh, our five players, Fab Correa, uh, he asks, what do you guys think about Andre Smith? And I guess we could go in a couple different directions here, Ryan, with him. Uh, number one, I think if it, if not for the suspension, I would think that Andre Smith is a pretty good bet to make the roster, right? He's a, he's a core special teams guy. He's somebody that I think from the moment he got here was somebody that, you know, whether it be Heath Barwell and now Matthew Smiley, they'd probably go to bat for to keep him. But he's going to be suspended for the first six games of the season. Um, so that makes things a little bit more interesting with Andre Smith. He makes plays. I, every time you see the guy, I feel like even when he's playing defense in the preseason, he's making plays. He made one last week, uh, helping on that tackle for a loss 
on fourth down with Jaquan Johnson. He just flies over the field. He might have had a pass breakup. I can't remember exactly. I like Andre Smith a lot. It's just he's going to be out for six weeks, and they really like Balin Specter. And so I, 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 I could see a scenario where he's cut. Yeah, I, I could see that too. But I think they're in a good spot with Andre Smith, as odd as that sounds, because of that suspended list that he'll go on. Uh, they can kind of keep him on that list. Don't don't have to worry about any kind of uh, decision about him until that suspension runs its course. And then at that point in time, they can say, okay, uh, if it was Bale Inspector, for instance, who. Uh, took that spot from him. How did he look on special teams? Is he someone that long-term we like the developmental traits uh, of someone that could be on the field, not just in a special teams role, but in a key defensive role if, if an injury takes place or uh, in, in a few seasons, if, you know, if we resign Edmonds to a short deal, maybe, or hypothetically, uh, if they kind of move on from him, could he be someone that could potentially start? It's an interesting case, but I, I think they like where they're at with Andre Smith. They know what he brings to the table from a special teams perspective. But what's the upside there on defense? Maybe they view him as someone that could step in and not really miss a beat. Uh, they just haven't had to play him in that type of role when when the games really matter. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Uh, I'm going to go off the beaten path here a little bit. It's somebody that I've talked about liking uh, a lot over the course of the spring and then into the summer. Uh, my number four guy for who I think the Bills, uh, if they cut, which I would say probably going to cut, I don't see the Bills taking more than nine into the regular season. Uh, maybe they go four defensive ends and five DNs, D tackles and keep this guy. But it's Brandon Bryant. I think he's a guy that... To me, with Ilianku missing all of training camp and and uh, hasn't played much, Brandon Bryan's taken full advantage of that opportunity. I think he's looked good. I thought Tim Settle was the star of the inside show against the Colts, but Brandon Bryant was right there, I think, affecting uh, the backfield, making things uncomfortable back there for ball carriers, for uh, the quarterback. I really like what Brandon Bryan's done. I feel like he's made a couple splash p- plays throughout training camp. He's somebody that people, you know, uh, if you did a deep dive into to Bill's Twitter and in and, and the coverage of training camp, you know, I've written about him quite a bit uh, in my uh, observation. So I, I think Brandon Bryan's a guy that if you're looking to add somebody on the interior of defensive line, I like Brandon Bryan. I, I think he's somebody that the Bills like too and are probably going to be in a situation where if they do have to cut him, which I think they will, they're really hoping to get him priority back on the practice squad. Yeah, Brandon Bryan is just a numbers game. And unfortunately, in his case, in my opinion, just because of the talent that you already have there with Ed Oliver, with Daquan Jones, with Tim Settle, uh, with Jordan Phillips, when you already have that as your top four, uh, it's hard to say we need to have this fifth defensive tackle on our 53-man roster when you, you generally fill in those final few spots with guys that bring that versatility from a special teams perspective as well. Would the Bills love to sneak him onto their practice squad? Absolutely, but that doesn't mean that it's going to happen. There's going to be some some teams out there that saw the uh, reps that Bryant brought to the team when he's been called upon, uh, what he's done this summer. So I, I think that that's a great choice, Matt. 
All right, take us to uh, number five, uh, Mr. Talbot. I like your list better than my list. Yeah, I, I'm, I actually, I'm going I'm to go to two guys here. Uh, kind of a tie, Balen Spector, Nick McLeod. I'll start with McLeod because uh, I think okay, that's that, cheating. Uh, that's just it is cheating. Uh, cheating. Well, I they were five. both on my top five. Um, <laughs> you know, Nick McLeod hasn't been discussed a lot lately. He's kind of been, uh, well, he didn't make a, a ton of plays, I guess, in the preseason game towards the end of training camp. Uh, some of the younger safeties on, on the depth chart stood up. But McLeod is someone that won last year, was released by the Bills, and he was claimed by the Cincinnati Bengals. So uh, there was at least one team last year that liked his skill set coming into the league. Knowing that McLeod has the versatility now to play cornerback and safety, that's going to be appealing to a lot of teams, uh, the cross training that's taken place, knowing that he could be used in either role in a pinch based on where your talent roster is at. And, and again, he goes to the case of uh, a team like the Giants looking to upgrade their roster, someone that's familiar with him, uh, just like Elijah Griffin was claimed by them. I could see them being in the market. Uh, but Bale Inspector, I, I had him on my my most recent 53-man roster projection. You can check it out, nyup.com, syracuse.com. Um, I, I love the way that he played. I love the way that he was able to shed blockers in terms of the run stop, in terms of the tackling. Uh, is there room for improvement in terms of coverage? Absolutely. But for someone to kind of step into the game and kind of be the madman on the field, uh, play like your hair was on fire, pass defense tackling machine. I believe he ended up with 10 tackles in that first matchup. I uh, had a sack wiped away due to a penalty, but he was everywhere on the field. And I, I really like the upside that he brings. So if he were to be released, if he, he would, you know, the numbers game went against him. I, I think there'd be some teams trying to sign him as well, Matt. Yeah, I, I like, I like the Balen Spector. Uh, I'm going to go with him over McLeod just because of the, you know, several. I, I, I like the versatility of McLeod. And actually, he was also in that first team uh, gunner opposite uh, Cam Lewis. So that's something to, to watch. A guy that can play corner, can play safety, uh, could probably play some big nickel in a pinch, can play uh, on special teams. So I'm watching him closely over the next couple of weeks. And, you know, with Elijah Griffin now out of the mix, you know, I think Nick, Nick McLeod's stock raises a, a, a bit. But we did see last year, you know, him go to Cincinnati and then them, hit, them cut him. So, um I don't know. I, we'll see about Nick McLeod. I, I think he's had a really strong training camp. We'll see if he's able to make some splash plays over the next couple of weeks to, to make some noise. I don't think it's going to be enough to get on the 53-man roster. Uh, Spectre, to me, I, I think he's carving out a role for himself. I think he's somebody – I got a text from a longtime Bills fan uh, during the game – uh, and I get a lot of people, family, friends that text me during the Bills game. I always feel bad. I can't, I'm, I'm like working, so I can't really text back, but I do check him out after the fact. And he said for a minute there, cause I saw the 54, he was like, he had to remind himself, hey, wait a second, is that AJ Klein out there? Who is that running around? And then he, he did some research, realized it was Bale Inspector. And I think that that's a good thing for a seventh round draft pick rookie to look like a, a you know, a veteran linebacker that's played important stats for the last couple of years was about to make five, six million before they cut him. To kind of look like that in the preseason, a little bit against the ones, that was pretty good stuff from Balen Spector. Yeah, no, no argument about that here. Uh, really interested to see what he looks like when they play the Broncos coming up in the rest of this preseason because there's a lot of reps to go around for these backup players, these younger players. And if he can shine in the next two preseason games, uh, it's going to be tough to kind of have him on the, the cut list when all is said and done. All right. We're not going to wait any longer. Let's go backstage. Let's bring him on, Bovers. 
Matt Bovey, <laughs> WKBW sports director, Channel 7 in Buffalo. What is up, buddy? I've got my boxing gloves. I'm ready to go, boys. I'm ready to go. <laughs> All right. So uh, I, I put out a little teaser uh, on social media. We're going to do this tomorrow uh, down at the Bills, but uh, I'm not going to be there. So Matt Bovey tweeted out a question uh, this yep. afternoon. Simple question. What was it, Matt? Do you like chilies? I don't do need you to, like chilies. Do you like chilies? And I feel like there's people are taking it way farther than that. People are like, <laughs> when you compare chilies to, it's like obviously when you compare chilies to insert fine dining restaurant here, it's not going to be as good. And the backstory for those of you listening or watching to this is that a couple weeks ago when we were in Rochester, Perino, myself, and John Scott we're driving to go play golf. And we had like an hour to kill before the tea time. So we were talking about maybe stopping, having a drink and getting like something quick to eat before the round of golf. So we ultimately ended up deciding to just go and do that at the golf course while we were waiting to play. But we passed a Chili's and I was like, well, there's always Chili's because we had an hour and I was like, we could each get a drink and we could have some chips and salsa and then we could go play some really mediocre golf. And Perino looked at me with just the most disgusting look in his face. Like, oh my gosh, the audacity that you would even suggest stopping at Chili's. And then for the rest of the night, we were talking about like chain restaurants that we like, chain restaurants that we don't like. And then it got brought up again today at Bill's practice. So I put out a feeler because I was literally sitting in a Chili's this afternoon. Also trying to what? kill an hour. Okay. Let's, before we go too deep down here, Ryan, what's your take on Chili's? Well, you know, I was telling you pre-show, I have not been to a Chili's in at least a decade. So, uh, I can't really speak to the quality of the food or anything like that. When it comes to, to stopping somewhere, uh, I'll admit I've had to stop at like an Applebee's before and I enjoy a Brutus and, and maybe some half price app. So I'm, I'm assuming Chili's is very similar in that regard. Uh, is it at the top of my list of places to go? No, uh, but I, but I can see where Matt's coming from. Uh, so I recently did go to a Chili's like in the last year, uh, <laughs> okay. fa- family, family member of mine, uh, <laughs> big fan. You know, we were, we were, we were throwing around places after a baseball game. Like, let's go, let's go somewhere there. They threw out chilies. Like they were ready to go. Like that was at the top of the list of recommendations to go. And we went and I got to be honest with you. It was some of the worst chicken <laughs> I've ever had in my life. Number one, number two, we walked in there and actually I saw somebody respond to your tweet with a picture of a, a chilies that they walked into. And there was like plates on the, on the table for like an hour. It was the same thing here. There was like, literally, it was terrible. Like you went in there and you just felt dirty. And I I don't know, like, I don't want to just dump on the place too much. And you mentioned Applebee's. I kind of put them in their own kind of category. And to be fair, a lot, I feel like here's the problem. A lot of these chain restaurants, a lot of these chain restaurants have really gone downhill in recent years, whether it be from staffing issues, quality of the products, whatever you want to say. I do remember Chili's being at least edible like 10 years ago. <laughs> I don't know why Applebee's deserves its own category, but Chili's, de- <laughs> they're this, it's like almost the same thing. But I think I like Chili's more than I like Applebee's. That's fair. I think Applebee's is the worst of the worst. And I'd actually eat, if somebody was, see, I saw this too. Listen, Whatever side of the debate you are on, the people that were responding to this tweet are so awesome. good. Like there were so, so good. many good, so good. responses. Uh, you should just go through the thread because it's, it's worth your time. Somebody said the best response was 
If I was invited to a Chili's, I will for sure go. But I am never going to be the one to invite somebody to a Chili's. And that's it for me. Like I was invited to the Chili's and I just grinned and I bared it. Right. But I'm not going to say, hey, Ryan Talbot, you're in town. Let's get over to the Chili's and have ourselves a good time. (laughs) Like it's not going to happen. I think it's ribs. I yeah, I think it's like a perfect spot for somebody's ringing my doorbell. This is just wilds right now. Uh, <laughs> the mic's not working. We're talking about chilies. Somebody's ringing my doorbell. It's just wild. And you know what? The crazy thing is, I know who's ringing my doorbell, and they're going to ring my doorbell again in a minute. So I apologize. Um, <laughs> it's it's actually kind of adorable. It's our neighbor. It's you know. A couple who I don't know why I, I don't even know why I'm telling you all this. It's our neighbors are like 60. Their grandkids are over. Whenever the grandkids come over, they want to see our dog, Harper, and they like to take her on a walk around the neighborhood. So now, because we're talking about chilies, this poor little girl won't be able to take my dog on a walk. <laughs> but I think the chilies is perfect at like an airport. Like you know what you're gonna get. Like yeah. you're just like sitting there, have a beer, have whatever, it's fine. Same thing. If you get invited to a Chili's, you go to a Chili's. I am never picking Chili's over like a local restaurant that has, you know, a really good like specialty item. Like all of the other places that are like casual American dining. I'm not picking Chili's over those local places. But when compared to a chain, I like Chili's. I like it more than Applebee's. I like it more than like Fridays or like Cheesecake Factory or anything else that's like in that category. Yeah, that's what I sent him today. Can you explain this to the people? So you were here and you went Chili's. Yeah. So, okay. I'll tell you the story. (laughs) I today had a doctor's appointment out in Amherst after Bill's practice. And then after that, I had an oil change appointment. And I was already, because I live on Grand Island, I was too far to come home because basically I would have had to come home, then basically sit here for a half an hour, turn around, and then go back out to like Bowmansville. So I was right by transit. And I knew what we were having for dinner tonight. So I was like, I just want something kind of cheap and kind of quick, but I don't want to go into like a fast food restaurant because I want to bring my laptop and I want to get some work done. So I wanted a little bit more space. Transit and what? Uh, like okay. transit, and like Genesee. Gotcha. Gotcha. Like gotcha. out by like the airport kind of. So, okay. I mean, there's tons of options. Like if you were just saying, okay, you know, go pick a place. I would have been like, okay, I'm just going to go to Barbell, but I didn't want wings. I just wanted something quick. I wanted something that was out there. So it was 245 and I got a side salad and an order of spicy shrimp tacos for $9 because it was in their lunch special time. And I got to sit there and I got to work. And I feel like that's like the perfect like excuse to go to a Chili's. I'm just letting this marinate right now to see <laughs> like how it really it's really hitting me because nothing you you said there do I have a huge problem with. Mm-hmm. And listen, I'm not I'm also to the point in my life, I'm getting older. Uh I'm changing. I'm loo- I'm I'm getting a little bit less stringent on things like this. Like mm-hmm. for instance, the blue cheese ranch debate. Like blue cheese ranch, right? Like for a long time, I was like, you have to have blue cheese with chicken wings. Now I'm at the point where I'm like, if you want some ranch, go get some ranch. If you want some chilies, listen, I think I've had a blooming onion or two in my day. And I think it was a good time. Michael Scott looked like those baby back ribs were absolutely killing it. So I don't know. Go, go have some chilies. If that's what you really want in your life, go have some chilies. And we learned today that like several members of the Buffalo Bills 
really like chilies. A yeah, lot of people weighed into something. this conversation. We had feedback. We had feedback from yes, it was Gilliam, Sweeney, Moss, Hodgins, and Isaiah McKenzie. And as of like 5 p.m., when all of those tweets came in, every single one of them is on my 53-man roster. Every single one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys, if you were on the bubble. Yeah, not anymore. Those guys all on the fast track to Chili's. <laughs> Matt yeah, Bovey's 53-man how- <laughs> roster brought to you by Chili's Restaurant. Yeah, exactly. That's why, I mean, that's why, that's why you know that I'm an unbiased journalist, because Hodgins is still on mine. See, you're a bigger man. Before I let you go, I want to change gears here to just something quickly on Bills. So uh-huh. Damo over on YouTube, he had this earlier in the show. I wanted to hit on it, and we didn't get a chance to. Any thoughts on if the Bills are a little too overhyped for the season to start and what kind of impact would that have during the course of a long season? I want to get your thoughts on it, and I want to set the table a little bit for with this. I was listening to the Bucky Brooks, Daniel Jeremiah podcast today, and they did uh, – Brooks recently did a piece where he said the fi- he did the five most talented rosters in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I'm listening to it, like most of these lists, you hear them, and the Bills are all over it, near the top. Bills weren't on it. It was the Packers. The Saints, which I, I thought was a little bit interesting. The Cleveland Browns, um, the Cincinnati Bengals, I think. And who was number one? Number Chargers. one was actually, oh, the Chargers. The Chargers were number one. Yeah. And so thoughts on that and thoughts on what Damo had to say, because, I mean, there is a lot of hype. And as we creep closer to the season, I'm I'm noticing some of the hype from some areas of the national scene um, coming back to earth a little bit. Well, I think it almost has to. And I think overhype is fair because they are the Super Bowl favorites. So if they're not the absolute best team in the NFL, by some people's standards, they will be a disappointment in some capacity. And we won't know ultimately if they were overhyped until their season ends. And I think if you're a Bills fan, like their first seven games are really, really tough. If you can tread water out of the gate and then you get really hot and you go on a run, nobody is really going to care or they're going to remember about what happened at the beginning of the season. So I don't know if I would say overhyped because I think they're really, really good. But I think there's a chance that early in the season it feels that way. And then they kind of get back to that level as the season goes on. It's almost the same thing that happened last year. The Bills were, they start the season with a loss. Then they play really good. And then they go and beat Kansas City on Sunday Night Football. And a bunch of people are like, okay, this is the best team in the NFL. Then they lose that fluky game to the Titans. And a bunch of people are still like, well, if Josh Allen doesn't slip, they're 5-1. and one, They're the best team in the league. And then after that, it was just kind of like this little bumpy road where they couldn't kind of get their footing until the end. And that's when they took off. So, I mean, I can kind of see a similar trajectory for this team. I don't know if I would go with overhyped though, because they're really good. And I absolutely think they have one of the five most talented rosters in the NFL. I think you could even make the, I think they're closer to one than they are to five too. I don't think it's like that. They're just sneaking into the top five. I think you could make the argument that they have the most talented roster in the league because comes down to, I mean, you have a superstar in Josh Allen. You have a superstar in Stefan Diggs. Now you have Von Miller, maybe the most underrated safety tandem in the league. Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds are awesome. Tredavious White is one of the best corners in the league. Like Deion Dawkins is a really solid left tackle. Like you just keep going down the list. Gabriel Davis looks like he's about to have just a massive third season in the league. Like uh, there's just so much talent on this team and there's so many players that are going to get cut from the Bills 53-man roster that are immediately going to go sign with other teams, and that speaks to how deep they are. 
Yeah, I, I think that's perfectly said. Much closer to one than five. I don't think they're overhyped. Uh, they got hot at the right time last season when it mattered, and that's kind of the last thing in a lot of people's minds when they're putting these lists together. But that's a good thing because yeah. uh, this team is just as talented as last year, I would say more obviously with the addition of Von Miller. Uh, looking at that list of the top five, I don't think Green Bay belongs on there. I think that uh, Aaron Rodgers maybe is getting factored in too much where there's still some issues with that offensive roster New Orleans has a really good roster, but they don't have a quarterback. Uh, the, the, the Bills have a little bit of everything. They obviously have Josh Allen. They have some great offensive weapons. The defense was great, too. So um, I, I think that the Bills should have been on that list, but everyone's entitled to their own opinion. Matt Bove, great stuff. Thank you for delivering. I'll see you soon, buddy. I uh, appreciate you. Let's go to Chili's, everybody. I feel God in this Chili's tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right. Great stuff from Beauvais, uh, as always. Um, we're going to come back. We had another segment planned, but I think we're going to save it for next week, Ryan, where going into the final preseason game, we're going to go through all the biggest uh, position battles, which ones are going to be over after the second preseason game and which are still to be determined uh, in Carolina. I'll be heading out there. Uh, that'll be a fun uh, show to have. Um, speaking of fun, from your child's first birthday party to your holiday feast, Sunday football to backyard barbecues and every meal in between, Tops is proud to have been at your table for the past 60 years and looks forward to 60 more. Tops at your table since 1962. Um, we got a super chat, Ryan. We got to get to before we get out of here. Last second, uh, you know, 20 seconds left on the clock. Which four players will be designed to the practice squad and protected players that are cut, but they have to keep Barkley, Spectre, Tenuta, or Blackshear. Um, so you don't protect players until you get uh, into the game week. So once you put pl- players on the practice squad, they're not protected until you get into that first week. And they're only protected for a certain window of time as well. So every week it changes. Um, So the Bills aren't going to go in and say, okay, we need to protect these four for the entire season. If they're on this uh, practice squad, they they can get poached at any time. The Bills can promote certain players, uh, you know, a certain amount of times each each, uh, throughout the year as well before then they can't do it again. They have to kind of elevate them to the main roster at that point. So uh, I understand the confusion about that. It is a little bit tricky. Um, but not quite how that works. Yeah. Uh, and we'll have to take a look at what the practice squad looks like before we could kind of project that. And there's a really good chance that they go into week one and they don't protect any players. There was a lot of weeks last year where they didn't, uh, if they get somebody back on their practice squad, that they're excited about, uh, I wouldn't be too, too surprised if that happened. Uh, somebody mentioned, uh, Dave need to cross off Chili's as a sponsor, uh, <laughs> potential future sponsor that listen, that might be the case. Uh, but I will say, uh, you know, win me back, Chili's. Bring me, bring me back in. I, I will. You know what I want to do, Ryan? At some point, we will do a live, not a live show, but a, a live test, taste testing at Chili's. Maybe I'll, I'll see what I've been missing all these years. Uh, Nick asks if there's a, a Marquez Stevenson update. He had surgery. Uh, it's kind of a waiting game now. I don't spe- expect to see him anytime super soon. We'll have more updates on Saturday. Don't miss the show. Saturday after the Bills game, they play the Broncos at 1 p.m. Ryan will be in Arizona. I will be at the stadium in Orchard Park live uh, to talk about everything that happened. Uh, enjoy your week, buddy. Have some have some vacation fun. Oh, absolutely. I think I'm actually going to check out uh, the Cardinals game on Sunday. So Ooh, getting a little live nice. football in as well. Yeah, check out the stadium where the Super Bowl will be held this year. I know a lot of Bills fans are hoping that uh, the Buffalo will be there come February. For Ryan Talbot, I'm Matt Perino. See you Saturday. Shout yeah.
a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.